0: Hi, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of the Couples Develop podcast. Happy you're joining us again for another week. And my name is Bridget, and I'm a marriage and family therapy graduate student. As always, I'm here with my boyfriend Justin, who's a financial planner, and we are here to talk about personal development topics as they relate to individuals as well as couples. And this week, we thought we'd talk a little bit about um, a topic that's been on both mine and Justin's mind for some time, and that's meeting someone for the first time, whether that be dating or networking. So that's one of uh, that's our first topic of conversation today, and we're so happy you're joining us.
1: Oh, all right. Sounds like a fun topic today.
0: Yeah, let's dig in. Uh, I know that, Justin, you are the one who thought of this wonderful topic. So would you like to share what comes to your mind first?
1: Yeah. uh, So I know that as we've been talking that, uh, Bridget, you've been meeting a lot of other marriage and family therapists uh, through your own proactive uh, seeking out of mentorship. And I know you've been reaching out to people basically cold email or, or through LinkedIn and was just curious as to... How you felt about that process? Did it feel different? Did it feel unique? And and what was what have you noticed as a success rate of genuinely just trying to reach out to someone being in college of trying to seek their expertise?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So I will say what kept me from what kept me from doing it in the first place before I started, and then also kind of like my number one fear doing it was like when I like meet these people, like they're going to think I'm naive or they're going to think I don't know what I'm talking about or, you know, I'm not ready yet and that kind of things. And so first of all, I've been really pleased um, to say that the people I have met and I'll get to your question in a minute about um, what the success rates have kind of been. But um, the people I have talked to have been thrilled and have been so kind. And, um, you know, it's kind of like they're going into it wanting to give me their wisdom and just have like a general conversation about like they're really interested in you know who I am as a student and I'm really interested in them as who they are as a therapist and the conversation flows really well. So I've been really pleased with um how it has gone and kind of those fears of being naive and not knowing anything have certainly diminished. Um but of course I will say um I know Justin you use this phrase a lot but kind of like the idea of casting your net far um, and then viewing it it's kind of from like a funnel of like you know you reach out to ten people, and then it's not uncommon for you know two or three or four people to reach out to, to respond back to you in return um so it definitely is a process of trial and error and you know sending a message and seeing you know if that resonates with people and then you know maybe editing the message a bit and seeing you know what kind of um responses i'm getting uh so yeah i just I definitely will say it's I've been pleased with the people who have responded and I think it has a lot to do just with, you know, I've had some people who have responded and said things like, oh, like I would love to, but I just don't have the time right now. And maybe even give me like a different contact of someone to reach out to. So I think it has so much to do with um, people's, it's not so much about you and like you're doing something wrong if people don't respond. It's just like you have to take into consideration, you know, people are busy and um, you know, they they have to say no sometimes. So it's not so much like a, a dig at yourself. It's just that idea of casting your net far and not expecting every single person to respond. Maybe like 30% of who you reach out to.
1: 30% to a (laughs) T 30
0: to 40, you know, one in three, 25%. What can you say?
1: Well, I know when we started talking about this, that being in grad school, you have a genuine uh, curiosity for wanting to get smarter, to be the best at your craft. And I'm assuming anyone listening to this also just generally wants to be the best at whatever they do. And being in college, you have that unique window where you can genuinely, I mean, look up anybody on LinkedIn and say, wow, you know, this person probably has a lot of experience and uh, probably wants to be able to share it with somebody. And I know that there's a lot of jokes made about millennials that maybe were not as hard working or whatnot uh, as other generations were. But in in my experience, when I was in college and I was doing the same as Bridget, that you really can kind of flip a stereotype uh, upside down in a way that most people don't expect uh, people in their early 20s or even late teens to be reaching out to professionals in a uh, very eager way. Way of just seeking knowledge, and I know that it probably feels weird to just say to send a message to someone, just like, "Hey, you know, I, I came across your profile, and you know, I was really interested in, in what you do, and, and I'm curious about this, and wondering if you had some time to where I could just pick your brain on things." That a lot of people, some people, maybe seventy percent of people will say no, and thirty percent will say yes. But what you learn from those thirty percent really. Uh, connect as mentors to you to um, help move you along the direction. So that would be my recommendation for anyone listening to this that's in college is literally the world's your oyster and you can connect with anybody. uh, Unlike this being the 1970s or 80s where uh, maybe you had the white pages or yellow pages, whatever it's called, but having the internet and being able to just have a video conference call or whatever one click away from someone, that's really powerful. And uh, let's make the most of that opportunity with with the generation we're living in right now.
0: Right, right. I couldn't agree more. And I think, um, you know, like you said, even, yeah, like I don't have an exact percentage here. I haven't gone into the data quite yet, but, you know, even if it is like 30, 40% or whoever does uh, respond to you, that's, you know, way farther along than you would have been not reaching out and i think reaching out in general kind of exercises like i know we've talked about on the podcast uh that uh book uh justin who's it by rejection proof
1: there's okay there we go i say there's a lot of books um that one book the rejection proof i i get his name wrong let me look it up here while we're talking if, yeah i put you okay.
0: will... no that's okay. I, I, I did that on the spot, but I will, I'll put it. Gia, Gia Yes. Yes. Great. Great book. Um, which I know we've talked in depth about it before, so I won't go into it again, but you know, even being able to exercise that muscle of like, I'm, you know, being vulnerable and I'm putting myself out here and I'm asking for something and someone, you know, literally might like read your message. Like I know you can like see on LinkedIn when they've read it, um, you know, and make respond. And that, you know, even though that could be disappointing, especially if it's a person you were really interested in. And again, you can always follow up and just kind of check in and there's no, you know, while still being respectful. Um, but, you know, that even kind of exercises that rejection muscle of just like, you know what, at least I put, I put myself out there and at least at least I tried. And I think that anytime you can do something like that is really helpful. And again, like Justin was saying, that knowledge that you do get from the people um that do respond back to you and want to talk to you is invaluable. And in my experience, and Justin, I don't know if you've had similar experiences, but the people I've talked to, um, the therapists I've talked to are really excited to talk and will even say things to me like, this is so great you're doing this. And, you know, I wish that when I was a student, I would have talked to more therapists before getting into the field. So I'm sure every field is different, but I think that I would imagine that many professionals have that same idea of like, really excited for a younger generation um, to have the eagerness to reach out and want to learn. So I don't know if you've had similar experiences with that, Justin.
1: Absolutely. And again, I would say college is really a, a unique opportunity where you can do it because most people don't expect a, a young person in college to be touching base on the future when there's so many more activities a college student could be focusing on which we don't need to mention here, we already know what they are, uh, like studying, I'm obviously kidding. But um, talking about connecting with people or other professionals, since this is a dating podcast, I, I guess I will put it out there, Bridget, is I don't know how you would have felt if if I would have first tried to approach a date with you by connecting with you on LinkedIn and said, hey, uh, <laughs> can I pick your brain? on whatever topic. I I don't know if that's quite the uh, pickup or correct way on how to get dates in in today, because I know we wanted to talk about meeting other people. But Bridget, do you have any suggestions or advice for people in college looking to meet somebody other than through LinkedIn?
0: In like a type like a dating relationship, we moved from networking to dating. Am I? Gonna yeah,
1: remember? I, I, I yeah. think LinkedIn was planning. They had a press release this year of saying the secret dating site of twenty twenty. I'm just kidding. That has not been published. Although, <laughs> full disclosure, I, if you type in uh, LinkedIn dating on Google, there, the second. Article down, or at least on my website, is seven reasons why everyone is using LinkedIn for dating, and then a couple other people saying, um, of course, people are using LinkedIn as a dating site as another headliner, and it, there are stories from from unfortunately males have have been using it and they've been talking about how it's actually worked for them that they would. Wow. Part of it, Bridget, I know I did share with you that if I didn't meet you, I was considering creating like a um, <laughs> a joke type of resume for a girl to meet. And one of the reasons why the guy said LinkedIn has been successful in getting him dates is because in a way, if you think about it, it's my resume that they can look at me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, I don't I that. I never would have thought as LinkedIn as a dating option but per Google I can I can see some of the reasons. I can see it being more serious for like working professionals who want to meet someone also serious.
1: Yes, yes. Give but take. I stole your thunder. What in a a real way to meet somebody um, n- not through LinkedIn.
0: I I got you. No, I and I I, I agree. I think that you know, a lot of the same when you're when you're wanting to meet someone for like like an int- intentional relationship, um, I think you can use a lot of like the skills you would networking going into a relationship going into a date with a person, not as in, you know, like, it wouldn't be as formal, you likely wouldn't reach out to them on LinkedIn, although, of course, per Google and Justin, you could use that as an option. But just the idea of like, hey, like, tell me about you, like, I want to get to know you um, type of thing. I will say that um, one difference between networking and dating as kind of like a funny side note is when Justin and I first met, um, you know, I really thought that the handshake was like appropriate. And I was about to go in for that. And Justin went in for the hug and saved me from the embarrassment of like shaking his hand. So I will say, you know, perhaps when you're meeting someone for more of like a dating situation, a hug is more appropriate than a handshake.
1: Well said. (laughs) But due to
0: COVID-19, that may change as well. So maybe that was irrelevant. But yeah, I mean, I guess as far as I would just say, you know, I think that the skills, you leading with curiosity, like you would in networking and wanting to meet a professional who's farther along in your field could also really serve you meeting someone for dating. Again, wouldn't be as, as serious, but I think that kind of takes the pressure off if you're just going into the situation being like, hey, tell me about you. I'm curious. What are you, what are you interested in? What are you up to? Like those kind of questions, I think, can be really unique and really um, get you started on something and kind of take the pressure off of like those like, you know, little small talk moments that are so common in first dates.
1: Well said, well said. So anything more on, on meeting somebody for the first time, Bridget? Um,
0: you know, I think that I think just there, there can be so much, but I guess my only encouragement would just be to take the pressure off yourself in any way that you can. Um, And I think, you know, leading with curiosity, kind of having an open mind and really wanting to get to know someone rather than worrying so much about um, what you're going to talk about or those kind of normal insecurities. While of course, they'll be there. I think that just leading with curiosity can really help and just asking general questions. I mean, something's evidently going to come up. So I guess that's kind of what I would say um, on dating, because I think one of the most awkward things meeting someone for the first time in a dating situation is like, those insecurities and wondering what you're going to talk about.
1: Well, there's lots of things to talk about. You can each talk about, okay, what would your dating resume look like?
0: Exactly. There's so much to talk about. Hey, have you ever thought about creating a dating resume? I could go either uh, way. Okay. I talk.
1: honestly think that that would be such a unique way to grab somebody's attention. I
0: it, I told you it would be.
1: I I mean, think about it. You could be, it shows, I'm going to quote Barney Stinson here on How I Met Your Mother. It shows like your ingenuity or your, where you combine two words to make them sound even more powerful. But I mean, it shows that you're creative. It shows you have a sense of humor. It shows that you are funny. And I I think, or or let's put it this way. It depends on the person you're trying to attract, right? That I mean, think about what the resume could say, you know, Justin Pogo, um, you know, 25 years of experience being single or, you know, (laughs) really (laughs)
0: highlight your stats there.
1: Yeah. Or (laughs) now if you're, if you're 60 and you have that, I don't know, maybe if that would be the best, but, you know, successfully made girl laugh in 2015, like what a great career highlight that would (laughs) have. (laughs)
0: now all of you single uh, men and women out there Justin did not get to this revolutionary idea before he had only thought of it he did not implement it before he met me so it's free for the taking
1: yes if anyone ever creates a dating resume I would love to see it because I I feel like that'd be such a unique way to differentiate yourself especially as a male on a lot of dating websites that you just probably hear and see the same old things all the time. And in my opinion, it's polarizing. And if it's polarizing, it's good because someone's either going to really like you or either dislike you and they won't be in the middle, which is yeah. how, in my opinion, most uh online profile. Basically, an online profile is basically an online resume in, in, in the most quickest way. And most people are very similar in terms of how they present themselves. And if you have had trouble meeting someone for a very long period of time, you kind of get used to hearing and seeing the same things over and over again. Uh, that could add a little a little spark to whoever, whoever you're reading.
0: I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more.
1: Oh, to piggyback a quick second, going about you, Bridget, mentioning a mentor. I'll close it on this one before we get to a news article. Uh, This is from Ramit Sadie. Ramit is a popular, I want to say he's a popular personal finance blog on the internet, blogger on the internet. I've actually written a couple, or not written, read a couple of his books, but quote, most busy people, want to mentor someone great. So a lot of times, if you feel that you're afraid to reach out to someone that's much more successful than yourself, uh, other people want to feel like they want to give back. And if they see greatness or potential in you, you're doing them a favor as much as uh, they're doing you a favor. So anyway,
0: onward we go great quote to end. I I think that's very true and very encouraging. All so, right. Uh,
1: yeah, go this ahead. Week or last week I read an article which was uh, from the Wall Street Journal talking about couples who were using their wedding money to buy a home uh due to COVID-19 that you know unfortunately is one of the side effects Uh, So far this year with COVID-19, as many wedding plans have been uh, sidetracked or altered, and this article just highlighted that some couples were using the funds that they were going to otherwise use for a wedding to have a down payment on a house. And Bridget, you can chime in on this, but my Mm -hmm. initial takeaways of reading it, number one, it shows you, uh, one, how expensive weddings can be, not Not that it's a good or bad thing, but if, if there were all the options basically that you have of how you could use wedding funds differently. So like, for example, I mean, the fact that uh, some people's weddings are, are able to basically be a down payment on a house. I mean, that's a pretty significant life step. I know I was talking with one of my friends uh, last year who got married. I was his best man. He kiddingly said, "Geez, if I would have, if me and my wife would have just used our funds for a wedding, we could have gone on a really nice vacation for like the next every year for the next eight years." And I think it's cool that people are reflecting like that. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it's a personal preference of what's important to the couple and and how they want to use their funds, because ultimately. Uh, A wedding is a day that has many memories you're going to remember for the rest of your life. And hopefully listening to the couples development podcast, you only do it once. Although although, um, I, I say that with a, obviously a little joke, but yeah, I just think that there's a lot of ways to be able to use wedding funds. And I think it's cool that people were being creative with it, that, um, A house is something, obviously, someone's going to be able to live in for the rest of their life, and who knows how long it would have taken otherwise to save up those funds. So, uh, Bridget, what are your thoughts on people using money that was otherwise saved for a wedding for other purposes?
0: Sure. Um, Yeah, I loved your thoughts, Justin. I thought they were profound, but I think that what really strikes me just in general about the article you read um, is, and just that idea, is like, it's really unique to me and encouraging to me that people are opening up their minds to new possibilities. Um, So I know I'm picking back off of some things that you said, uh, just to, you know, nothing wrong with wedding, you know, it's a big day. (laughs) Clearly, it's probably one of the biggest days in your life, depending on who you are as a person and how you look at it. Um, And, you know, I, I don't think that they're, I think every couple is different. I think it's a communication piece to figure out Uh, what you want. And I think that, yeah, you know, weddings can cost a lot of money. Weddings can uh, be done on a budget. There are things that couples talk about where, hey, this is really important for our wedding, but this really isn't that important to us. So we're going to skip this or spend less on this or et cetera, et cetera. And I just think that sometimes um, I think it's always important to touch base with, you know, why are you planning the wedding and spending the money that you are? Um, You know, is it because, yeah, this is our big day and we want to make it a dream and, you know, spend money on the things that we want and that will be memorable? Awesome. But if it's like, oh, like Stacy and Ryan did this and Joe and uh, Jenny did this and we got to keep up, you know, that's that's a different conversation. And so I just think it's really cool that whenever there's um, kind of an out of the norm story in the news that you hear about. um In this one, especially, I think that, you know, weddings can, weddings can, um, can certainly get expensive. And not that that's a bad thing, but just really encouraging that couples are taking into consideration, you know, is this important to us? Like, I imagine some of those couples who decided to do that choice were like, you know what, like, spending money on a big pu- money spending money, excuse me, on a big wedding due to everything with COVID-19. It's not as important to us anymore. So we would rather spend it on a down payment for a house, which I just think is really cool. I don't think that there's ever a right or wrong answer, but just for couples to always talk about different options and not to go at things from like a keeping up with the Joneses perspective.
1: Well, that's a good point. And, you know, I guess I'll just share one of uh, uh, quotes from one of the more successful clients that, that we have uh, younger, younger household. And, I asked them you know what was their thought process around when they got married and, and when they bought their houses is, is that um they said most people make have a thought process of how much can we spend on a wedding or a house or a car etc and we take the approach of what do we want to spend on yeah xyz and i think those the answers to those two questions are lead to very different results because um, in a way, one places a upper limit than the other, but basically, what my client was paraphrasing was is that they're just being intentional of kind of how they saw yeah. their yeah wedding or home or whatever fit into their overall lifestyle that they weren't just making one decision kind of as an outlier they were like okay so if we um, do the wedding then maybe we have less funds to do this but if we you know they understood that picking one decision kind of had an impact on another and I mean, they can, had regular open con- conversations and dialogues and kind of talked about what they wanted to, their lives to look like, not just in the next three months to six months, but I mean, like one year, three year, five year, 10 year, you know, of really thinking hard and critically about that. And um, yeah, I, so that's just one thing I wanted to share of, again, not what or how much can we spend on X, Y, Z, uh, but rather what do we want to spend on xyz
0: i like that a lot and like that really makes me think of like that idea that idea and quote you just shared um like giving giving the power back to the couple rather than like okay like how much can we afford but like even just that simple reframing of that question of like okay we're in control what do we want to spend and that's up to us um one the, oh, yeah. And then the only other thing I was going to mention on that is, you know, at the end of the day, um, weddings are huge and they are such a special day and, and couples, you know, should feel free to make that day as special as they personally want to and whatever that means to them. And that's, of course, different for everybody. And that idea is not certainly not always tied to um, like a monetary value or spending uh, money on certain things or how much or et cetera. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's about your relationship and it's a celebration of your relationship. So, um, you know, if, if there's any stress, I think it's always encouraging for couples to take a look and say, Hey, you know, are we, is this, is planning this wedding? Of course, weddings are stressful, stressful in general, but you know, what's the reasoning that we're spending this X, Y, Z money on things. And, um, is it, is it really important to us or is it important to someone else? And, um, you know, what's really going to be the life and the day that we as a couple want to celebrate and not, you know, bringing in other people's perspectives all the time that, you know, can be counteractive. It's it's really your day and your marriage and your relationship and up to you.
1: As I said, while well, being the best man last year, the wedding's the groom's day.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was that was quite a speech. <laughs> that was quite a quote that you had in there
1: I'm just kidding my we all know the weddings are for the brides because well quite frankly they they deserve it because they're marrying us gentlemen <laughs> they're gonna put up with more than we gotta put up with
0: De- depending depending up, up up for consideration all right good stuff though I, I appreciate you bringing that up I think that that was a, a really cool article you shared
1: well, thanks. I was due. But, okay. We have cu- listener emails. Again, uh, couplesdevelop at gmail.com if you want your question to be answered by the uh, relationship plumber. I just made that one up. I called that Bridget one time of her relate the relationship plumber because she gets your relationship from out of the drain or down of the drain, one of those sayings. Don't call her the relationship plumber because <laughs> now I'll have to hear from that later. Okay, we won't edit it though. Um, <laughs> okay, couple of emails from Adam. That's
0: good, that's good content right there. Okay. I wonder I will... if this
1: is from Adam and Eve. No, I'm kidding, <laughs> but, but just Adam. Adam. Adam
0: Adam and Jenny, Um, but the close. Um, Oh, okay. (laughs) okay. So Adam emailed us and Adam said, my wife, Jenny, and I have been married for seven years and have two children. I have always felt that we have a strong, happy marriage. And yet as the years go on, there seems to be more and more of a disconnect between us. We sometimes seem more like business partners running a business than we do a team, loving one another and leading our family together. Any insight on this relationship issue would be helpful. All right. Well, Justin, do you have any immediate thoughts?
1: I wonder if Adam has shared his thoughts with Jenny about them thinking if they are uh running a business and they do a team. Um, and if she hasn't, I, I would hope that she would bring that up. And if not, um yeah, I don't I don't know. I good thing I'm not a marriage and family therapist on this one. That's for you. <laughs>
0: And I would also say a good thing. I'm not a financial planner. That's up to you. Um, no, I, hun, I think that's a really, really great place to start. Uh, that's immediately my question too. Um, you know, I think that things can. Uh, one of my favorite uh, quotes that one of my favorite authors has has said. Brene Brown. I mention her all the time because I think she's great. But she always says the phrase, "The story I'm making up," and um, she says it to herself to uh, just just kind of say just kind of to illustrate the idea that, you know, our minds um, can be our greatest assets and also our greatest enemies, depending on the thoughts that are running through them. And uh, to say the story I'm telling myself um, helps me personally. And I know she's mentioned it's helped her and others. um, But it kind of helps to break out of that cycle of when we keep things inside, we kind of make up this story of like, I'm feeling this way and like negative spiral, negative spiral, negative spiral, without any intervention of like, Hey, you know, Jenny, the story I'm telling myself is uh, there's a disconnect between us. And like, I don't think feel like this relationship is fun anymore. And we feel like business partners and I want us to be a team. Like, how do you feel about that? And then that allows kind of that interrupt of like, Adam, not staying inside his head and like rehearsing this narrative over and over and over again, but to interrupt it by saying like, Hey, Jenny, I love you. We have this great marriage. You know, I want to be with you. I want our marriage to be awesome as I have always felt it is what do you feel about this thing? And then from there, you can hear Jenny's perspective and then, you know, see if it's similar, see if it's different, seeking to understand each other and go from there. Um, So I think that that's a really good wonder if um, they had felt open to talk about it because it can be really easy to let things, um, you know, this is, of course, is, I think, um, a very normal and, um, good example to bring up that I I think happens to a lot of couples. Um, and at the same time, I think that things can get, uh, just really enmeshed in our brains. And it's really important for us to have a dialogue with, um, the person it's concerning to kind of interrupt that negative thought spiral.
1: Well, I totally agree with you about our minds can be our biggest assets or our biggest liabilities, so uh, mm-hmm. great comment on that
0: yeah I, I think and I will say too um and I'm taking this from you, Justin, with your great comment, but I know Justin said in a previous pause a previous podcast episode that um people in a relationship are like co-CEos, which like I really enjoyed how he used that term because you know, of course, you're not necessarily a business partner with your uh, spouse or partner. Um, And, you know, that I I get that that term can kind of feel like not intimate and very like logistical and businessy. But like, I like that term that Justin used, because at the end of the day, like, you know, you, you are, you're not business partners, but you are co CEOs in a sense, and you're co CEOs in that you're running your relationship, you're running your family, you're you know, logistical things and chores and tasks and responsibilities have to get done. But of course, that's not at the loss of, um, you know, a fun, romantic and loving partnership. Um, You know, so important to make sure that all of those pieces are fitting. And, you know, life's always a balancing act. Nothing's ever going to be perfectly imbalanced. But, you know, to just ensure that, you know, you're you're paying attention to, okay, we're co-CEOs, got to get the business aspects of our relationship and our family taken care of we got to have a plan while at the same time of course that can happen and should happen um without having the loss of that playfulness and romance that is so important in a relationship
1: okay let me revise my uh we're co-ceo type things they're co-ceos who kiss yes yes kiss each other
0: Exactly, and are in a very, a yes, they're in a relationship, and, and, and no sneaking, in,
1: and instead of uh, shaking hands, they they hold hands. That's there are
0: just like networking and dating. There are differences between actual CEOs and relationship CEOs.
1: Co-CEOs mm-hmm. who kiss and hold hands.
0: Well said. Well said. Yeah.
1: All, all right. What type of uh, recommendations do you have for this week?
0: Um, I would say that this is an older one, but just uh, her work has been on my mind a lot lately. So again, Brene Brown, The Gifts of Imperfection. Um, It's an awesome book. I know Justin has read it also. And it's just one of those. I I'm biased, but I just I really I Gained a lot of wisdom from that book, and I think it really helps in your search um, of discovering who you are, and can really help uh, whether you're single or in a relationship. Just really building your autonomy and figuring out, you know, who am I, and you know, where am I? Where are my areas of strength? Where are my areas of growth? So, the Gifts of Imperfection uh, by Brené Brown is what I would recommend this week.
1: All right, my uh, recommendation is simply to follow your curiosity, and what I mean by that is. Uh, with whatever it is that you think, I know we talked about last time, journaling. Whatever it is you think you want to be good at or great at, uh, follow your gut. Your gut will tell you what you're interested and in, what you think you need to know next, or what you think you need to take action on next. Uh, because there's multiple ways you can learn. Uh, one of it obviously is through books. Uh, and maybe reading one book fuels curiosity to read another book, and then obviously the best way to learn is through action, and mm. at, whatever your gut is telling you to do, and if you're able to measure it up against whatever results you're trying to achieve, um, that would be my suggestion. Follow your curiosity. Go to—I'm uh, not sure if every public library is open in America, but the you can. Literally go to any type of uh, genre, subject matter type, personal development, money, finance, health, relationships, cooking, whatever, section of the library, and rent out as many of the top books on that subject for free any, every single day, every single week of the year. And awesome. The public library, in my opinion, is the most underrated uh, places for a high schooler or college student even regardless of your age, I just share those ages because that's more who we we're speaking to on our podcast, but the public library is the greatest form of knowledge that you can find because everything is free and the knowledge is there. All you need to do is the work, which is, uh, and if you have the curiosity, you'll get it done.
0: Absolutely. Great great point. thank you for bringing that up um, and yeah I would just I would just add on that too I know that um, my my library has like an app which like I think that's more commonplace for libraries now maybe not for all of them but anyways, I have like the Libby app and you're able to like uh, just rent like audiobooks or if you have like a Kindle or something like ebooks on there um, which I just am such a fan of audiobooks and again just like free wisdom. And it's an awesome resource. So I love that Justin mentioned that.
1: All right. Well, that's all I had for this week. Cool.
0: Me too. Good talk. And thank you, everyone, for joining us, as always. Um, You can always reach Justin and I at CouplesDevelop at gmail.com with any questions or comments that you all have. So thanks so much for joining us for another week. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. All right. Take care, guys.